Hey everyone, we hope you're having a great week. My name is Eric Johnson, and along with my wife Candace, we are the lead pastors of Studio. We are based in Greenville, South Carolina, and we just want to take a moment and say hello and say thanks for listening to this podcast. So with that, let's get right to it. Y'all are too kind, too kind. I say I inherited my dad's sweat glands. They are overactive. And I sweat if I blink. So you all get to experience all of that. But we've had some AC the past couple weeks in here. It's felt really lovely. He's doing a new thing, Uh uh-huh. Amen and amen again. Yes. No, it is a joy to be here um, at studio and to see all that God is doing here um, among us. I think it, I believe we're at seven months today of meeting on Sundays weekly. And it's been crazy just to see what God's done over the past seven months. So give yourselves a round of applause. If t- even if today's your first day visiting studio. Give yourself a round of applause just for diving into this crazy, crazy wild adventure because it's been a crazy wild adventure. Um, But God's been in every step and it's just been amazing to hear the testimonies that have come from people's lives um, week after week. So we're excited that we're here. We're excited to be a part of what God is doing. Um, And I get to talk to y'all today. Ha ha. We'll see if y'all are still clapping afterwards. Just kidding. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit actually about worship. Um, but it may be a little different spin um, for you today as we're talking about worship. I was born and raised a PK. Um, that means preacher's kid for those of you all who don't know. And yes, that's the title. So the title of this, if you want to take notes, the title of this is His Pursuit our response, okay? And I was born and raised a PK, and my mom literally went into labor while she was at church, so I like to tell people that I was practically born on the pew because her water broke on the pew, okay? And I've been in and around church my entire life. I was brought up Baptist, um, a little Baptist costal, um, but we, we, we learned scripture, you know, we learned the word, we learned the books of the Bible. I got a trophy in the first grade for learning the books of the Bible forwards and backwards, okay? So I knew all of the do's and don'ts. I, I had a list of what it looked like to look the part. Um, and to to make it look like you were doing everything correctly to the people, especially the people that were in the church. And I never really knew what it was like or really actually hadn't heard of what it actually meant to have a relationship with God. Um, My high school years were squirrely, my college years were squirrely, but right before I went to college, my mom made me come with her to a youth camp And at this youth camp, I was her junior counselor, she was a counselor, and this lady got up and she was doing worship. I didn't really know what it was at that point, but she just had her little keyboard and she started just playing, I can sing of your love forever, right? And I am bawling my eyes out. 
crying. I have no idea. I'm just like, I don't know. And then the sweet lady comes over and she says, honey, what's happening is you're experiencing God's love. And he's been trying to get this to you for a really long time. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. But I still don't understand. But that still was a moment that actually marked me. So I kind of filed that one back away in my head. I go off to college and I do all the things that probably a PK would do in college, ex everything except follow Jesus. And I was doing all the things, but I kept coming back to something that was pulling me, something that was drawing me. One Sunday, I was just like, I gotta get to church. I don't have a car, but there's a church probably a mile and a half away. I'm just gonna walk. I know if I get there, somebody will be there and they can take me back. And that was just beginning to have those moments where I'm like, ah, something's not right in my life and I'm, I'm feeling this draw, I'm feeling this pull towards God even though I didn't have language for it and I didn't understand it at that time. Fast forward, me and Jesus get into a little groove, right? I meet, I meet him, understand this relationship aspect. And my friends were like, hey, you wanna go to the movies with us? They're walking with Jesus. And I was just like, hey, I think I'm supposed to stay in and as I called it, have a come to Jesus meeting with Jesus. And so I'm in my campus apartment and I'm just like, okay, Lord, you know, I feel like I'm supposed to be here with you today. And in this time, he just begins to take me scene after scene after scene of all these things I had done, all of these um, places I had been, all of these people I, I, was, I had been around and with, and he was like, hey, I was there. Hey, yeah, I, I was there too. Hey, I, 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 was, I was there too. And it wasn't with shame, it wasn't with condemnation, it was just with the loving love from a father. And he said, I was just waiting for you to turn and see me. I was just waiting for you to turn your eyes and look at me. And when I tell you that moment was another marking moment for me because I was like, wow, you've been coming after me for a long time. You've been pursuing me for a really long time. I just hadn't turned to see you yet. And I know if we were to pass the microphone around the room, many of you probably could also recall moments that he was pursuing you. Moments that he was coming after you, moments that he was trying to introduce himself to you. And I think even in that moment when I said there was no shame and no condemnation, because I think that's what I expected. Because that's who I thought he was. But he was showing me a side of him that I hadn't experienced before, which allowed me to enter into this relationship with him. And I'm not the only one, you're not the only one. We see it actually throughout the Bible. We see it throughout the Bible where God begins to initiate 
relationships with his creation. We see it with who? Adam and Eve. We see it with Abraham and Sarah. We see it with Moses. We see it with the children of Israel. And in Exodus 19, uh, verses 1 through 6, I'm going to read it from the screen because I left my Bible over there. Yeah. So, in the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. For they had departed from Rephidim, sure, had come to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. And Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain saying, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob. This is definitely New King James, guys, okay? Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. That's initiation. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, everybody say covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So obviously we're looking at a point after they have been freed from Pharaoh. Moses has gone before Pharaoh, let my people go, right? We know the song, we know all those things. This has happened, and now they have been rescued, they have been saved, okay? They have been delivered. Moses was their deliverer. They have been saved. This is their point of salvation. And now God says, I want to establish a covenant with this group of people. I want every other nation outside of this nation to know that these are my people. I want every nation outside of this nation to know that I am their God. And guess what? He did the same thing for us. He sent us a deliverer. He sent us someone to rescue us. Blood was shed in that covenant with us that says, I want the world to know that these are my people. I want the world to know that I am their God. So when we look at the definition of covenant, it's an arrangement between two parties involving mutual obligations. In scripture, covenant is the most comprehensive concept covering one's relationship with God. When we think about covenant, what do we think about? Marriage. Yes, you can talk back to me. It is, I should have told y'all that in the beginning. It is okay to talk back to me. I love it, okay? So, marriage. We have two people standing at the aisle making promises and vows to one another that we are entering into this covenant, this agreement that there are mutual obligations between the two of us. And so when we enter into relationship with Jesus, and we're entering into this covenant relationship with Jesus, there's some things that we're agreeing to. There's some things that we're saying, hey, I want the world to know 
that you're my God. I want the world to know that I belong to you. And God initiated covenant with us. He also initiated it with Adam and Eve. He initiated it with Noah. He initiated covenant with Abraham and Sarah. And of course, we know he initiated covenant with the children of Israel. We know that as the Ten Commandments, right? Now, when we look at the Ten Commandments, everybody's like, ooh, we talk about the Ten Commandments. But there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel if you stay with me, okay? We look at it as the moral code. We know all the things to do and to not do. That's what we look at the Ten Commandments as. But I was reading and studying, and this wonderful guy, we're going to call him really smart guy, um, he said, the covenant law was the foundation or constitution of a new nation, a special nation of priests. Um, The head of the nation state was God. Hence, in ancient Israel, the status of the Ten Commandments was approximately that of the code of criminal law in a modern nation state. That's heavy, right? To break one of those laws was to commit a crime against God as the head of the state. That's still heavy. It gets lighter, y'all. Stick with me, okay? Yet the laws had a positive purpose. They set down a way of life that would result in a full and rich communion with God and community with others. At the core of every covenant is love. We enter into covenant because of love. God initiates covenant with each and every one of us because of love. We uphold our end of the bargain of the covenant because of love. It all comes down to love. And I know some of you are like, okay, we're talking about Old Testament stuff, but let's look at the new covenant. Let's look at Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, and I'm going to read this one from here as well. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day, that I look them, that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin and remember no more. That new covenant sounds like Jesus. That sounds like Jesus. That the moment we accept Jesus, we enter into that new covenant. And his blood helped to establish that covenant. So we look at Luke twenty-two twenty, And it says, likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which was shed for you, me, us, we, all of us. 
another really smart person said, God's act in giving his son Jesus to die opened up the covenant relationship to all human beings. The forgiveness made available by Jesus, by Jesus' blood of the new covenant, makes it possible for any individual to enter into a covenant relationship with God. This isn't an exclusive opportunity. All of us have the opportunity to enter into this covenant relationship with God. He's initiated quite a few relationships in this room today. He's initiated quite a few covenant relationships in this room today. And I said we were going to talk about worship, and we are. <laughs> we're talking about worship because worship is about covenant. Worship is about covenant. With this being titled, His Pursuit, Our Response, now we have to look at what is our response? How do we respond? The next slide says, worship is the response to the revelation we receive about God. We're going to read it again. Worship is the response to the revelation we receive about God. And I always add, the more I know, the greater my response. The more I know about him, the greater my response is. And I think we've diminished the definition or the meaning of worship um, in many places. We've diminished it and said that it's a style, a style of music, if you will. We've diminished it and said that it's, it's a genre. We've diminished it and said that, you know, this is not my preference. I like hymns. All this hippity hoppity jump jump stuff. You know, that's not for me. I just, I just I can't worship to that. Or if it, it's anything, it, it's, it's, it's not about preference. And it's not just in our gatherings. We think like, oh, it's the moment when the lights are low. The music is ooh and iron, you know, and I have a little tear running down the side of my face. That's worship. It's a form of worship, but it's not the whole complete story of worship. So what does our response look like or what should it look like? When we look at our corporate gatherings, we have to ask ourselves, did I come to receive or did I come to give? Did I come to offer something? I know we live in a day and age where everything is about consuming. What makes me feel good? <laughs> you know, what, what, how does this make me feel? But when we come in here, and corporate worship is beautiful, so don't, I'm not saying corporate worship is not the thing, because especially studio, y'all love to sing and sing loud, like I've, it's, it's one thing to be up here and we can still hear you through our in-ear monitors, but to be out here with you all and just to hear you sing praises to God, that is beautiful and that is power in that. So I'm not saying let's not come together, but that's just not the complete story, okay? When we do come together though, our response, what do we, what do we, how do we respond? Let me tell you, singing is 
biblical. It is. Dancing. Biblical. Clapping. Biblical. Shouting. Biblical. <laughs> there it is. Reverence or deep honor and respect. Biblical. Kneeling. Biblical. You've seen other people, sometimes they just lie out flat on their face and worship to God. Guess what? It's biblical too. These are all demonstrations that are expressed for worship in the Bible. Because when people have experienced God, they've seen him demonstrate his power in their lives, they can't help but to respond. And that response is going to look different for everybody. But we still have to respond. Now, this is where it gets a little tight. But you love me, so you're going to stick with me. When we look at our response in this covenant relationship, our response goes beyond the gathering and it actually spills over into our everyday lives. Worship is a lifestyle. It's not just a moment. It's not just this thing that we do when the feeling is right. It requires us to actually do some hard things. It actually requires us to die a lot. Romans 12.1, before you put the slide up, I'm going to just quote the other one first. Romans 12.1 from, I know we learned a lot of scriptures. I told you back growing up, I had to learn the KJ, King, New King James Version, NKJV Version of Romans 12.1. And it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would present your bodies as a living sacrifice that's holy, pleasing, and acceptable unto God. This is your reasonable service. Some versions say it's the least you can do. When I looked at the message translation, I was like, oh, that gives a whole nother take on this verse. So let's look at it. Romans 12, when the message translation says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you, because you can't do it on your own. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Another really smart person said for this next slide, go back, sorry, I missed this one. One problem we face in our corporate gatherings today is the disconnectedness between public and private worship. It seems that many attend gatherings Sunday after Sunday, expecting some elusive experience to one day rise up and connect them to God. But when they leave the building, they leave God behind, and their lives during the week have no relationship to the praising, listening, praying, and giving that may have taken place inside the sacred walls. 
So when I look at, you can throw that message translation back up. When I look at that verse translation of Romans 12.1, I'm like, ooh, okay. You said my everyday, ordinary life. So how I do my job, the things I do at my job actually is a form of worship and it becomes, it overflows out of my response back to you. That means showing up on time. That means not taking extra lunch, extra minutes on the lunch break. It also overflows into my eating. What I put in my body. Y'all, and I'm not pointing fingers. This is all this, we are in this together tonight. We are all in this together tonight, okay? We in this together. But how I take care of, how I steward my temple, how I take care of my body, my health, is an overflow of worship, of my response of worship to God. My relationships, how I do relationships. I used to have a cut off spirit real bad, y'all. I, I, they do something, I'm like, oop, I'm done, goodbye. Never have to talk to you ever again, I'm good, I'm good. I, and the Lord is like, no, 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 no. How you handle people and how you handle relationships is a part of worship too, Reva. Money. I'm stepping on my own toes, guys, so this is not just you. How I handle finances. Worship. The thing about Romans 12:1, when it talks about being a living sacrifice, that means we have to get on the altar. As a part of our worship, but as a part of our response to this covenant relationship that we have with God, there's some things in us that actually have to die. And dying is not easy. I don't know if you know, newsflash. It's, it's not an easy thing to do. Because sometimes it's God's pursuit of you to do the right thing or God's pursuit of you to move past your own feelings. To move past your own pride. to live the way that he wants you to live. That's not easy. So, the pursuit doesn't stop when he gets you. <laughs> the pursuit doesn't stop when you said, okay, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you. He said, cool, 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 cool. That's good, that's good, that's good. So I'm still moving towards you. I'm still coming towards you because I, I'm, I'm trying to make you into the image of my son. I am trying to get you to look like the one who died for you. So that means if he had to die and if he had to be obedient all the way up until death, we have to do the same. And that's worship. It's beyond lifting my hands, which is beautiful and is a, part, is a form of worship. 
It's beyond singing songs, which is beautiful, and it's a part of worship. It's beyond dancing, which is beautiful, and it's a part of worship. But it comes down to me living a life that everyone can look at and say, she belongs to him, and he's her God. That's worship. That's covenant. That's relationship. So at the heart of worship is God's continuous movement towards us. He's always pursuing it, pursuing us. He doesn't stop pursuing. He doesn't stop pursuing. And guess what that means? We can't stop responding. We have to continue to respond to him. And my prayer is that we, as the people of Studio Greenville, and even if you're visiting here today, then you too, yes, we'll call you extra cousin and family members, you know, that we would be people that can say that, oh no, I'm fully committed to this covenant relationship. I'm fully committed to looking not just the part on the outside, but on the inside and allowing every part of my life to reflect him and what he's done for me. Okay? So, we're going to pray for a couple people. And I'm going to reverse this. The first group of people that we're going to talk to are the people you've been in relationship with the Lord. You're saved, you've been at church, you know. You got a few Bible scriptures tucked in the back of your pocket. You know those things. But he's calling you, you feel this pursuit of God for more. You feel this pursuit of laying it all down again and again and again and again. And it's just time for you to get back on the altar. If that's you, I want you to, let's stand up if that's you. If you feel like it's just time for you to get back on the altar, it's time for you to recommit, re-up the ante, if you will, for that life of worship with the Lord. And every, if you're not standing, just stretch your hands towards these people and God, we thank you. We thank you for the bravery. We thank you for the courage that it took to stand. God, and we just pray, um, even beginning tonight, rolling into the morning, God, that the desire to get back on the altar, God, burns ever so deep in their hearts. God, that they won't compartmentalize any area of their life, God, but fully, fully giving you access to every area of their life in order for them to fully respond in worship, in a committed covenant relationship with you. We say today's a new day. Today's a new beginning for the fresh fire in their lives, rekindling their relationship with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. 
And last, but certainly not least, there may be people in this room that may have never heard about a relationship with the Lord. And we never wanna assume, like, oh, they came to church, then they must be good. If you've never heard about having this intimate relationship with the Lord, and you wanna start that today, you wanna enter into that relationship, you want to respond to the, to the pursuit um, from the Father that he actually brought you here today for. If that's you, go ahead and just raise a hand and we'll make sure someone talks to you. I love it, I love it, I love it. Well, my prayer is, I know this wasn't a conventional worship message, but my prayer is that we all feel challenged. We all feel just the tenderness in our hearts to re-up the ante. Be fully committed to who God has called us to be in this lifetime so that the world can see that he is our God and we are his people. Amen? Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening, and we hope this talk benefits you in every way possible. For more information about Studio, you can go to studiogreenville.com or go to Instagram and look for studio.greenville. We would also love it if you would leave a review and hit those five stars. Other than that, have a great week, and we'll see you soon.